0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org. Wita's gonna come in a second and close out Mark chapter 10 with us. Um, But Weta is the state director for all of the Chiapha campus ministries in Georgia, which they are now, how many? Seven. And we're getting ready to do a couple more, right? There we go. That's what I was thinking because Mary's getting close. Um, So it's it's a beautiful mission, uh, mission statement, mission and vision to reach the college students on campus. And I had a great time personally serving in that capacity and serving under WIDA. So um, without further ado, WIDA Bradford is going to come. And um, today is are they clapping for you or for me to finish? Yeah. Um, today is actually National Chi Alpha Day, so actually Wida is going to um, explain a little bit about that, and then we're going to all join together in prayer for the Kaiafa campuses. Okay? Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, if you don't know, today is not a message about Chi Alpha, but it does just so happen that today is what's called National Chi Alpha Day. Just to give you a little nugget of what that is... Uh, If you're not familiar with Chi Alpha, Chi Alpha is a U.S. missions outreach to secular university campuses across the United States. We even have some that are global. Um, And and what that means is basically we go on to a college or university campus and we become an official student organization. Uh, We are both providing community and growth for Christian students We are reaching lost students, and we're also reaching international students on campus. And so one of the beautiful things is you can actually watch (laughs) someone go from complete and total just hellion lostness (laughs) to student leader. I'm reaching other students. I'm discipling them. And now I know how to live for Jesus, whether I'm going to be a teacher, whether I'm going to be a lawyer, a doctor, a politician, a full-time mom, or I even feel called to missions to go do this on somebody else's campus or to go serve. You know, I was just talking with Sherry here just this past week. I had lunch with not someone who'd been a student of mine, but a good example of this, a Caiaphas graduate alum from North Dakota State University moved all the way down here to hot as they like to say hell's front porch in July and August out at Uchi to serve with the girls at Teen Challenge out there. Why? Because while she was on the university campus, God got a hold of her heart to do more. Right? So that's just a little a slice. So what today what we'd like to have churches do and I want you to be a part of this for just a few minutes is actually pray. Pray for Chi Alpha and its outreach across the world in the United States. But as the director for Georgia, I'm asking you to lean in. And let's just take a couple minutes and pray for a couple of things. So always, always praying for favor on campus in the midst of the ongoing craziness that is COVID guidelines, right? So I have friends who do this all over the place. We were very fortunate here in the state of Georgia that we managed to continue to have access to students all through last year. Now, a lot of university campuses are just even more wide open in the state of Georgia. Uh, but I have friends who are still, they, they didn't get to set foot on campus till April of this year because their campus was so locked down. How do you reach students and new students and disciple them when you can't even go physically beyond campus? Well, a lot of them found ways. But then now as we've had the surge, as other places are surging with this ongoing pandemic, there are all kinds of rules and regulations. And just in general, university campuses can be very welcoming and they can also be very closed. So let's pray for favor. Uh, And then unity and peace during unrest. Man, in the same way that we've experienced so much in the culture and literally in the streets of America over the last 18 months, College campuses can be one of those places that experience that at a heightened level as well. And can I just say, across the board, the anxiety level for university students is at an all-time high. The mental health needs and challenge for university students are at an all-time high. Uh, This is a tremendous time for students to come to know the Lord of peace. The Lord whose message to us is, don't worry God is a very loving God that that would be his message. And then lastly, we all believe that there's been a prophetic word uh, that a great student awakening is coming. What that means is just a great move of God that we're going to see unprecedented numbers of people come to know Jesus on our college campuses. And if I could add one more thing into that, here in the state of Georgia, one week from now, I will be... Near Helen, Georgia, in Clarksville, Georgia, actually, we have our annual fall retreat next weekend. So all of our campuses that have Chi Alpha and then students even from other campuses, we will have students right now registered from 14 different universities and campuses who are going to be with us next weekend. The prayers we pray today will impact what God does in that weekend, next weekend. So if you will lean in also in just these few minutes of prayer and pray that God will just show up in just a powerful, powerful way and make himself known and make himself real uh, next weekend as we go and minister to these students. Something special happens when they all come together. You've been in those circumstances and moments, retreats, small groups, all that kind of stuff yourself, a lot of you. I believe something special when we get away and we come together. All right, so if you will, I will pray out loud, but if you'll pray also on your own, let's just take a minute and pray for all these things. Father God, we just joined together this morning uh, in this beautiful moment to be together as a church. And Lord, we just ask you to move on our university campuses. Lord, move. Lord, empower all the Chi Alpha groups here in Georgia and across the U.S., As we also continue to grapple with the rules and regulations related to COVID and even just university life. Right now, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would transcend. God, transcend the guidelines. Your spirit is boundless. And so, God, I pray that you would just pour your spirit out. God, we pray for unity and peace. Just a high supernatural level of that for students and for faculty there are faculty right now on campuses here in georgia that are scared because they're not they don't feel safe with the current guidelines lord speak into their lives and be present use chi alpha to bring your peace to campus and lord we also pray yes god if your word says that there's going to be a great student awakening god bring more students to you in this season than have ever come before. Break down all the barriers, tear down all the walls, come and do what you wanna do among college students in this country, Lord, and across this globe. Most of the revivals that have ever happened in the history of the United States have started with university students. Start one that spills over into all of our neighborhoods and communities, God. And lastly, Lord, we pray into The next weekend where you already are, remove anything that would keep you from just doing the move you want to do in the lives of our Georgia students next weekend. Anoint every speaker. Be present in every moment of worship. Give them rest and call them closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for that chance to to do that. You know, it's a a really unique privilege, I would say, to be with you guys this weekend. Ironically, uh, I guess sort of ironically, I was supposed to be your Mother's Day speaker last year in 2020. (laughs) Most of you do not know that. Some of you were not even in Fountain City, but Grant had booked me for that. And then, of course, like anything else, the world went crazy, right? (laughs) And uh, you guys may not, you probably weren't even meeting face-to-face at that moment. Uh, And so there have been times, Grant and I have talked about me coming, um, but in in this moment, in this time with all of you, um, I really feel and sense the Lord's hand on me being here today. And and I think that'll kind of unfold as I share with you this last passage out of Mark 10. uh, When Grant asked me to speak Uh, And he he said, hey, can you speak on this? And I went and looked at it. I was like, oh, you better believe I can speak on that. That's fantastic. We're going to look at that passage soon. But the reason that I say it's such a a unique privilege is I know that there is a real sense. um, Grant and I had a conversation the other day. Not only is there the immediate sense of loss, uh, many of you have leaned in in the last two weeks to pray for uh, the Griffith family, you have—I mean, Cami is right here in your community. This is not just hey, there's somebody in our town. This is our family, right? This you've been praying for family, so there's a, there's a level of the loss of that and the grief of that, and that is not something to gloss over. But but for me as a minister, when I say it's a privilege, is there's there's something really unique about being able to minister in that season. And here's why I say that. Psalm 34, 18 reveals to us that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. So there's that immediate that is right at the forefront today. But but then Grant has shared with me, there's many of you that are walking through an incredibly challenging season. There are some of you in this room that have already come out of a Uh, Maybe not come out of it, but you're still dealing with just tremendous loss. And it is a privilege to be in this moment because the Lord is near. Uh, in, In brokenness, in sadness, in confusion, in challenge, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And the rest of that verse says, and he saves the crushed in spirit. Now, we'd like to believe he saves them from being crushed in spirit. We want to believe that the Lord keeps the heart from being broken. And there are certainly times that that happens. But more often than not, the promise is that I will be with you, is that he is close. And so, let me encourage you right now, even if you can't feel it, because you know, our feelings about God are not a definition or determination on whether he's present. His silence sometimes is not an indication of his absence. The Lord is near this morning. And hopefully there are many of you that have found that to be true, even in this challenging time. Man, aren't these just, I mean, what in the world? Just, it's like an onslaught. It's like just wave after wave of yet another thing. For month after month after month. I remember when we couldn't believe, are we ever going to get out of 2020? Now we're less than 100 days away from getting out of 2021. And we all want to w- believe, okay, we're going to move on. You know, we were going to move on from, uh, from the pandemic. And, you know, we're going to get back to life. And then, wow, this just even more heartbreaking season of, you know, this Delta surge. And whatever else, the normal things that are going on in some of your lives. You know, I I can identify um, in this, in that onslaught of stuff, you know, there's actually an expression, boxers, uh, when they just get hit after hit after hit, uh, they get what's called punch drunk, We just, you're like, you can't even kind of get your bearings. Uh, I don't know if any of you are fans of the Olympics. I am. I always enjoy both the summer and the winter games, so I watched some of that this summer. You know, and... Wherever you fall on what your opinion—if you were, some of you are not Olympic fans—but if any of you were watching, wherever you fall in your opinion of say what happened with Simone Biles, right? So here is this uber doesn't even make sense, sense level of athlete, uh, arguably potentially one of the best gymnasts of all time. Like the expectation is Simone Biles is coming and she's gonna rock it, and the USA is gonna dominate because we got a secret weapon. And, I mean, I watched, and even in her warm-up, the commentators were saying, something's off. That's not like her. Her warm-up's not going, you know, just when they were doing the day, before they are even competing. And then she shows up to do the warm-up of her vault. And she goes through the motions. and, 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 again, they're saying, okay, something's wrong. She changed the vault. That's not even what she's supposed to do. And I'm watching this. And and they do the slow-mo repeat. And you watch as she's coming off. You know, the vault is where you run, you bounce, they plant their hands, and then they're gonna spin and land. And you could see it in her eyes. Like if you watch, here this person is trained to dominate and does a vault that's like named after her. And you could see it, you could see the lost, I don't know where I am in position to the ground kind of wild-eyed look in her face as she lessened that warm-up vault. And of course, even if you didn't watch the Olympics, you know, within a few minutes, she pulled her coach. She said, I'm, I'm dropping out because it's, there's something going on with me. She said it was mental health. You know, some people called it the twirlies, right? Is that you just lose sort of this ability to orient yourself. And, and I just watched that and I think about this idea of the onslaught of all those things. It is very relatable to me. Like, it was actually the Olympics I kind of expected. <laughs> the uber athletes, I think I had been. I would have been a little, I would have been glad, but I would have been a little disappointed if the way that I was feeling lessened and just, like, I'm not up to snuff, not up to quality standards because of everything that's happened in life. If, if they had just been able to just be as successful as that. No, it was the COVID Olympics. People who were normally, you know, competing at a certain level, even they were not able to do what they normally do. And so in this sort of disoriented, if you feel in any way or have in the last several months a certain level of disorientation, I really believe that these passages are going to speak to all of us. Uh, there was a time in my life, Um, I have had a sort of a unique journey. September's kind of a weird month. It's my birth month, and there's a lot of really positive things that have happened in September's. But it also is, uh, just a couple weeks ago, September 7th is the anniversary of my brother's death. 19 years ago, when my brother was 28 years old, he had cancer that he fought for over a year, that supposedly had a 70 to 80% success rate of treating. And in the moment after extensive surgery, after long chemo, after we thought he was starting to get back on the road to normal, it spread to his brain. In August of 2002, they discovered a tumor on his brain stem and small M&M sized pieces of cancer on the outer sheath of his brain. And we knew. He had another extensive surgery. Uh, That was the beginning of August. He was gone by September 7th. In those moments, (laughs) wow. You know, you lean in and you pray and you believe for the miracle. And then on the backside of that, then you're trying to figure out what to do. It is blinding. It is confusing. So we look today at Mark 10 and we're going to look at someone that I think if we can't identify with him today... I think we can identify him with him at some moment from our past, or we certainly will for the future. So Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. Now it's going to say they, and when it's talking about they, it's then going to let us know. Verse 46, then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city a blind man Bartimaeus which means son of Timaeus now time out there for just real quick the sheer fact that they tell his name for the people who are reading this for that contemporary audience for the people who are around it means they actually knew who this was right so many times it'll talk about a blind man or m- mention the woman at the well but it doesn't say their name the fact that mark is giving us a name here means probably that i mean this person's in their spiritual community at this point so they're going to know Oh, that's Timaeus' son, right? So here's blind Bartimaeus. As they were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. The same people who tried to say, you know, just quiet down. You're, you're making a record. Oh, wait, 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 he's, he's calling you, so you're know, like, come on. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now, I, as a preacher or speaker, can appreciate there's a challenge in this moment for me to deal with a passage where a healing has happened in a moment when healings have not happened for other people in the room, right? However, there's so much more here. There's, There's so many significant things happening in this passage. I mean, you've got, first of all, in this moment in the history of the life of Jesus, right? Jesus and his disciples and a crowd, because there's always a crowd, right? Jesus, people wanting to see, what is Jesus going to do? What is Jesus going to say? People who want miracles, he's just thronged, right? There's a crowd. They are on a beeline path to Jerusalem because what's going to happen when he gets to Jerusalem? He's going to be crucified, Right? So this is one of the last healings that we see Jesus perform before he's crucified, like, and he's on—he's laser focused on that to a certain extent. Earlier in this passage, he's been talking about how he will die and be raised again in three days, right? So he's on that path. He is headed to the singular most challenging moment in his human life. Jesus, fully human, fully God. And this is where he's headed. And some of them sense this, some of them are there for, for multiple reasons. So here it is, you know, literally if we if we look at the the other miracles, pretty much the only thing left that Jesus will do that's kind of miraculous following this moment, you'll see him in one of the gospels, he curses a fig tree, which is his own intriguing thing if you've never looked at that passage it's really interesting he's you know he's gonna come he's gonna ride that donkey palm sunday he's gonna ride that donkey and people gonna shout and cheer Uh, he's gonna have the last supper he's gonna wash the disciples feet and the only other physical healing that we know of is when peter in defense of jesus picks up that sword and cuts off that guy's ear and jesus reaches over and heals him So this is kind of a significant thing, is that we have this moment. So that's significant in and of itself. The miracle itself, right, is significant. The faith that makes this man whole, that Bartimaeus just, above all things, he just shouts out to Jesus. Right? He's shouting. He's, He's not even immediately asking for what he needs. I mean, what's his cry? Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. The determination, when people are like, just, you know, pipe down, simmer down. No, he's determined. He doesn't let that hold him back. He's going to ask again. The miracle itself, that Jesus restores his sight. We don't, in this passage, it doesn't seem that he touched him. You know, there are different ways that we see the Lord. If If you're not familiar, there are other interactions of Jesus with blind people. At one point, he kind of makes mud and puts it on somebody's eye. There's one time that, according to Scripture, he actually just spit in a guy's eyes. There's a whole other theology there, right? (laughs) About how sometimes if we want something from Jesus, it's going to get messy and maybe offensive. (laughs) Uh, There are multiple ways. This time it doesn't seem, doesn't say, doesn't tell us that he touched him or he did anything. He just said, your faith has made you whole. This is a pattern in the book of Mark, actually, where there's a lot of talk about the, the miracle coming based on the faith. And then even this. So there is something also significant in Barnamaeus that, what does it say? He got up and he comes to Jesus, and it specifically says he leaves his cloak. Now, you know, in that day and age, a cloak, it was significant. Everyone had a cloak. It was the outer kind of overcovering. Cover, over And a lot of people, with that cloak, with that outer thing, it was symbolic. It identified them with where they were, who they were, what their status was. I feel like it's some of the background on this passage. Some people even believe, kind of like in a whole weird way, you know, if you wanted to be a vendor, if you wanted to run a food truck in Columbus, you'd have to have a special permit, right? It's believed that the Roman government gave you a special kind of cloak To say that it was okay for you to be a beggar. Right? So that identity of being a blind man who all he can do is sit by the side of the road. And and just depend on the mercy of someone else to help him. He leaves it to move towards Jesus. That's significant as well. That's an act of faith as well. And then there's even the people who wanted him to just be quiet. People who kind of rebuke him. That's significant. Because let's be honest. We've either, we've either experienced that or we have been that. Where there's something awkward and uncomfortable about someone else's need. Or the way that they keep talking about it. Or the way we don't know really what to do for them. Or we've been that person and we know that other people are are not, they don't, I know this from both the inside and the outside. People really don't get the intensity of what we're going through many times. Because they got their their own things, right? There are rare people who have high levels of compassion and mercy. But more often than not, the reality is other people just don't get. If we do have a community that we can share that with, some of you that are in small groups or you have a tight circle of people here in the church, then we count ourselves really blessed. But even in that, there's a limit, right? So so that's significant, too. Uh, It's incredibly significant that Bartimaeus calls him the son of David. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. If you ever encounter, and maybe you've struggled with this in your own life, people who will tell you that Jesus never claimed to be the son of God, that's not true at all, (laughs) There are moments in the Gospels where he either accepts that title from other people. He doesn't doesn't come back and correct them. This is a moment, right? So here Bartimaeus is not calling him the son of God, but by calling him Jesus, son of David, he is identifying that Jesus is in the lineage of King David. He doesn't call him Jesus, son of Joseph and Mary, Jesus, son of David. So here's Bartimaeus, right? He's on the side of the road. We don't know. Maybe he was a part of a Jewish community. Maybe he went to temple and synagogue. What happens in states of blindness, right? Our other senses are heightened. Who knows the things Bartimaeus had heard as he just sat there? As he just sat there in his own state of need In his own state of helplessness and vulnerability, he had heard of Jesus and he'd done the math. He'd heard enough that he knew. I mean, he calls him rabbi too, but this isn't just an ordinary rabbi. This isn't just a good guy. This isn't just a miracle worker. This is the son of David. This is the one who'd been promised. This is the Messiah. So he calls him that. That's significant. That's significant. And then lastly, it's also significant. Man, what is Bartimaeus' response? There are many people, it's said, who encountered and received a miracle from Jesus and then turned and walked away and probably did not then continue to follow him. Bartimaeus gets up. He leaves his cloak. He receives a miracle. And then the passage tells us Even though Jesus said, go, your faith has made you whole, right? He's releasing him. I've given you what you want. What do you want to see? Granted, you can now go. Your faith has made you whole. Well, he didn't go. He continued to come. It makes it very clear. He received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So that path to Jerusalem, I don't know how far he went. Where was he in all the events of what happened? that holy week, but he followed. I think that's why it's just a guess. I can't claim to know this for fact. I think that's part of why his name's mentioned. He didn't just follow in that moment. He's still following when these things are being written. So all of those things are significant, and those are important, and we can glean and get something great out of all of that. But above all that, in the midst of all of that, isn't there just something that you just powerfully identify with Bartimaeus' cry and his stature? Here's this guy. He's so his pain and his handicap and his his position in the world is so common. I mean, he's not the only beggar. This was their only way. They lined the streets of cities. Would ask for all, you know, whether it's alms or at that point it's not alms. But, you know, they're asking for any kind of help they can get. That's the only job he had. He probably needed help to get out there. He's completely vulnerable, completely dependent on the kindness of others. There isn't much he can do for himself. Don't just, Isn't there just something in you? Or at some point there has been something that just really gets. Now all I know to say is, Jesus, son David, have mercy. Have mercy. When we don't know where to go. When we cannot see literally what the next step is in front of us. When we have been sidelined when we are stuck in a moment that even if it was our own creation or if circumstances have put us there and there's not a quick path out of it. Can I tell you what I believe the Lord wants you to know today? That Jesus, have mercy on me, is enough. when you don't know what to pray because you've prayed every prayer and everything you know to say, Jesus, have mercy on me. It's enough. It's enough. A prayer that starts with, Jesus, have mercy on me, the honesty and the humility of that prayer, it will always get the attention of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is close to the brokenhearted. He is near. He will save the crushed in spirit. Jesus is a man on a mission. He is surrounded by noise. But what cuts through the noise? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, in my own life, here's a little bit of what that looked like. I've, you know, many moments that have been that. Um, You know, not only did I lose my brother 19 years ago, my dad, when I was just, I I moved here in 2008 to start a new Chi Alpha group at Columbus State. So in 2008 was a year that I was traveling the state of Georgia to raise uh, a budget. You've got the Gilpins here. They know all about that. They They have to go place to place and cast vision and get people to lean in and believe in the mission. I had to do that in 2008. January 2008, my dad started having problems with his heart. My dad had an ongoing journey. He had valve replacements, all that kind of stuff. But here in that year, as I'm itinerating, my dad has heart surgery. He has another. He's in the hospital for 17 weeks. And, and then he ends up, ultimately, we lost him. Right? So I, I've had two separate things where I've, I've been in there. I've leaned, I prayed my guts out. Right? In both those situations, after all that was said and done, and I really felt like I was just sitting by the side of the road, not knowing where to go next. Specifically, even after my brother's passing, I went for a walk. I remember sometime you, you lose track of time. You don't, there's no sense of you're just in it, the grief process. I, I literally, going through that with my brother, I'll tell you, tell you, anybody in the room who's never personally walked through that, when I was going through it, I thought, oh, wow. This is what this is? This is terrible. This is the worst thing I've ever felt. Anything I've ever said to anyone at a funeral home never came close to touching this. And it changed me, right? It changed me in a good way. More often than not, what I just simply say now is, Man, I'm just so sorry. Just so sorry. I don't have a good thing to say. So in that place of the worst pain, here was my prayer to Jesus, my version of Jesus, have mercy. Lord, I can't hear from you right now. Please don't try to talk to me, because I just can't. I just can't, because I'm just bruised. I mean, we've gone on on a marathon of that process of believing and praying. God, I just can't, but Lord, will you please find a way to comfort me because you're the only one who really can, and while I cannot hear from you right now, please find a way to comfort me because I don't want to get 10 years down the road or 15 years down the road and be someone who never actually grieved this, who rushed through this. And can I tell you, I'm 19 years away from that. I'm now 13 years away from the loss of my dad. And both were long and very different journeys to go through that. Some of you know this so well. You've walked this personally, you're walking it now. The Lord did have mercy. And the Lord has been good. And I may tear up some talking about it this morning, but the gut wrenching level. Of just feeling stuck. And I got nothing. It's not there anymore. And the Lord very gently. And very lovingly. Step by step. Will have mercy. On you. In the same way that he had mercy on me. And. Maybe you had the great. Sort of. Protected privilege right now that you're not in that moment. Praise God, I'm currently not personally in a moment, right? I'm sharing about these things. I'm not in a. I've been in a just a honestly, it's a breathtaking, remarkable season of favor. Honestly, right? Uh, I was going to be here Mother's Day last year. I have a, I have tremendous triumphant stories to tell you of a journey I went on. I'm single. I never married. God never brought that person in my life, but. About five years ago, six years ago, actually, I started a foster adoption journey. And there's just breathtaking things that the Lord did in bringing my son and I together. That's the, he, unfortunately, he's not here today because he's serving as a volunteer in the kids ministry at North Highland. He's 13. So I've had those seasons and moments, right? You may, not, you may be like me. You're like, I'm not in that. I don't know what to do with that, right? Because sometimes when we see other people, we're like, what do I do? there's something awkward what do I can I tell you that also Jesus have mercy is still the right place to start so not Jesus have mercy on me but Jesus have mercy on them as my facebook feed is filled up time and time again with just countless i'm overwhelmed by it things that people are needing rather than being the person who's like, this, uh, that's inconvenient, Lord, have mercy. To literally, you know, there are times I step away from social media, but in this season I have felt so called. Yes, I will pray. Lord, have mercy. There's actually something that is a longstanding tradition. It's not been a part of many of our traditions. But there's something called the Jesus prayer. Uh, People who've come from an, if you came from an Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox tradition, or maybe you've done any reading into some of, you know, all those centuries of Christianity that existed before us, (laughs) or that even existed before some of us, if you were in any way have grown up in Pentecostal Assemblies of God circles, it's as if Christian history didn't start till the early 1900s when Azusa Street happened. Some of you don't get that, but some of you do. It's like all this stuff didn't exist. Well, there's this prayer that has existed for actually a very long time. And it's kind of a version of that. And here's what it says. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. When you don't know what to pray, when you're not sure what to do, Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, is the very best place to start. Bartimaeus cries out for mercy. He does receive his miracle. I have had the times I've cried out and I've received my miracle. But I have also had, I call it a unique privilege to be with you in this moment right here. I've had the really painfully beautiful, unique privilege of also sitting right by the bed of two of my very closest family members as they battled sickness and as they slipped into the presence of Jesus. And can I tell you that in both of those circumstances, even though I'm confounded by some of the things that didn't happen, the Lord was so very near When the decision was made for my dad that it was time to let him go, he was alert enough he was a part of that. When the, I mean, we're just moments from releasing him and removing him from support. And the pulmonologist was a believer. And he said, here's what's gonna happen. And he talked about the process. And then he said, but you know what? I believe that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. One of the very last act of my father was just to raise his hands. Just raised his hands. Because he knew. He do. Jesus, have mercy. is enough. Heavy, I know. But truthful. I promise I'll come back another time and preach a message and I'll make you laugh some. And, and, and talk about other great things. But Chrissy said it so well earlier, and Grant said it to me on the phone. We don't do really well in seasons of lament and grief. We, We really struggle because there is no shortcut. You know, that used to be the tradition in the olden days that people would wear black for a year. Do you know why that was? I was fascinated by this when I myself read about this and was experiencing this. Part of the reason they did that wasn't for the family itself. It was to remind everyone else. Don't forget these people have just lost something significant. And they're still dealing with that loss. Right? So I'm going to pray. And close us. But... I want you to know that right now, we're going to take a moment. You're either in one of two places. You're either in a moment that you're needing to ask for mercy. Or you're in a moment where you can make the choice to push aside and really not think about what someone else is going through. Or you can act in a way that brings them towards Jesus and realizes, Lord, have mercy on this family, on that person. So whatever, which one ever you need, I'm going to open and I'm just going to give us a few minutes of silence for you on your own to be able to respond to that. And then I'll close. God, I pray and I thank you that you are close to the brokenhearted. That there are so many truths in scripture that reveal you time and time again. That you are compassionate, and you are abounding in love, you overflow with love. I thank you that some of the clear prophecies about you in the book of Isaiah reveal you as a suffering servant. Thank you, Jesus, that not only are you our conquering king, but scripture reveals you as a man of sorrows who was well acquainted with grief. So, Lord, we just sit for a few minutes and say, Lord, have mercy on us. Jesus we have nothing to offer you and we need so much Jesus have mercy on the griffiths today Jesus have mercy pour out your mercy your love and your comfort and your presence Lord, have mercy on the entire Trinity family as they gather today. Lord, have mercy on this Fountain City family today. Jesus, have mercy on Grant and Chrissy and their family today. As they said, hour after hour by her dad's bedside, God, have mercy. Have mercy on Grant today who's sick. Because as they take care of him, the Grant and Chrissy and the whole family, they're as open to being sick because of how much they're pouring out. Have mercy. Jesus, have mercy. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and your grace that you do redeem and pull victory out of loss and that the promise that Chrissy shared is that death is swallowed up in victory whether we see it with our eyes here or we experience it eternally with you. Thank you, Lord. Because it was equally your mercy that called Bartimaeus that then led you every step forward to crucifixion. We can count on your mercy, Lord, today. In your name we pray. Amen.